0: Hey, uh, good evening. It's uh, Andy. Time for our Wednesday night Bible study. You're going to see that I'm in a little bit different spot uh, for Bible study uh, tonight. I had some technical difficulties recording the Bible study in the sanctuary this morning. So I figured, well, hey, we come back to my chair where I do my morning reflections from. So, uh, hey, you know, it works. It works for us. So we're going to do Bible study um, in here today. So, um, you know, I it doesn't no matter where we are we can study the bible together and we already do our morning reflections in the same spot so um plus i get to sit down and it makes me lazy and no, that's that's not the worst thing. make gives me gives me that grandfatherly feel to get to um sit down and do uh do bible study together um, i might get used to this and get lazy ne- next semester when we're back in person for bible study i might just drag my chair out with me and um do it that way. So we'll see. Anyway, it's good to be with tonight. Thanks for joining us for our, our weekly uh, Wednesday night Bible study. Um, we uh, want to invite you to worship with us Sunday at St. Matthews. You know that Sunday is going to look a little bit different because um, we're going to have our baccalaureate service for our graduates. So uh, we're going to have one combined service at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary. So we uh, encourage you to come out and celebrate our graduates. We're going to have our regular 830 service at the sanctuary. Um, those will have a traditional. service in the sanctuary at 8.30. We'll have drive-in at 9. And then we will have our um, combined baccalaureate service at uh, 11. It's going to be a great day at St. Matthew's. Uh, We're excited about worship in this month. Excited about what's happening here. God's been very good to us in this season. We had a great Sunday Sunday. And I'm looking forward to um, this week and uh, this chance to celebrate and honor our graduates, uh, Jason Anding, our Director of Student Ministries will be giving the eleven o'clock message, so um, you don't want to miss that and come here, Jason, as he uh, as he shares the word with us to celebrate our seniors. We have been talking on our Wednesday night Bible studies um, these last few weeks about what I think are what I'm calling the six most important things you need to know. Uh, We've talked about the fall, we've talked about uh, creation, we've talked last week we talked about the cross. So if you're going to see these. um, See these weeks as kind of chapters. Um, the first two chapters would have been basically about how humanity got to where we are. Week one was creation being made good, being made the image of God. That everyone you meet is an image bearer, and so we talked about what that means. Then week two, we talked about well, what happened next with sin entered in. We talked about the fall and how the fall had cosmic effects upon everything, and so. That was week two. So week one was creation. Week two was the fall. And that kind of got us to where we are now as humans. Week three, the next two weeks, three and four, are kind of God's plan in in response to the fall. And to say in response to the fall is not an accurate statement because to say that God's plan in response to the fall is to in many ways imply that God was caught off guard by the fall. Um, to say that we um, we caught God off guard, we surprised God, or or, or that um, or that God wasn't uh, fully aware of what we humans were going to do. Uh, remember, God is sovereign. God's in control. God's in charge. So nothing happens that God is unaware of. So I don't want to act like that the fall caught God off God off guard because it didn't. So um, but the next two weeks, the cross and the resurrection were, like I said, this is an, imper- is, is an imperfect word, but were God's response or God's plan with in response to the fall. Uh, first, we saw last week the cross, how on the cross, uh, the atonement, um, Christ paid the penalty for our sin. He was the perfect, perfect sacrifice for the sins of humanity. So in the cross, Christ paid the penalty for sin. Uh, we talked a lot about Isaiah last week. Isaiah, uh, fifty-three, fifty-four, fifty-five, the Suffering Servant passages, where we're told uh, he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. How Christ uh, took on our woundedness and our and our pain and our sin and redeemed and, and paid the price for what sin did. So that was um, and, and in these things, creation, the fall, the cross, and now the resurrection. We want to be careful to understand the individual dynamics at work here. So, yes, um, individually, um, I am made in God's image. Individually, you are made in God's image. Individually, you are fallen. Yeah, individually, I'm fallen. We're, we, we, we commit sins that are wrong, but we also are sinful in our nature. Individually. Individually. On the cross jesus paid the price for my sins and paid the price for your sins and individually christ broke the power of death and the resurrection so i want to be very careful not to deny or not to um emphasize the individual nature of all of these things creation fall cross grave all are individual in nature and all have individual consequences and individual motivations, and individual uh, realities for me and for you. So I want to be very clear that it isn't just that Jesus died for the sins of the world. Jesus died for my sins. It isn't just that Jesus rose to conquer death for the world, but Jesus rose to conquer death for me. So it's individual. But it is also cosmic in nature. It is. It is also greater than just me. So it isn't just that I it isn't just that I was made in the image of God, but we are all made in the image of God. And all humans are image bearers. Whether we like them or not, whether we agree with them or not, they're image bearers. They are. That's that's the way it works. And the fall affected not just us as humans, which it did, it affected me individually and you individually, but it affected all of us collectively as humans, and it also affected all of creation. We talked to Romans 8, you know, that week about how creation suffered because of the consequence of the fall. We see in Genesis 3 that that out of the dust, instead of Adam having a lush garden to farm and to grow, now Adam was going to have to work, and by the sweat of his brow, he would make his bread. I mean, so the fall had a consequence upon all of human, upon me individually, upon you individually, and upon all of humans, but also upon the cosmos. It's cosmic in nature. Same thing with the, with the atonement, with the cross. That, yes, he died for my sins and your sins, but he died for the collective sins of the world. He died for the collective sins of the world, for the sins that had been committed pre-cross, the sins that were being committed at the cross, the sins that had uh, been committed post-cross, if you will. He atoned for all of those sins. Huge, cosmic, cosmic changing in nature. And the same thing with the resurrection. And the resurrection, his resurrection didn't just destroy for me and for you the power of death, but it began the process of reversing what happened in the fall. And... You, to really understand the Bible, you have to understand how so many things in the Bible are symmetric in nature, are bookends in nature. So, the fall, the resurrection. Honestly, the fall, the return of Christ, uh, the, the new creation. Um, well, probably creation, new creation, fall, cross, and grave. Babel, Pentecost. Bible, we all spoke one language and left speaking many. Pentecost. Everybody came in speaking many and left in left hearing one. So when you look at scripture, you're going to see a lot of a lot of symmetries, a lot of bookends across the whole of scripture. So the cross and the empty grave are the response to the to, to the fall. That in the fall everything was screwed up cosmically, Everything was messed up cosmically. Well, in the cross in the empty grave, things begin to be reversed. So what I want to do tonight is I want to um, I want to read. Some of the some of the teachings of Scripture about the resurrection itself. We're going to look at three places primarily. We're going to look at Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel account of the resurrection, and then we're going to look at um, we're going to look at uh, uh, Colossians. Then we're going to look at Hebrews. So that, that's where we'll spend our time tonight. In those three places: Luke, Colossians, and then Hebrews. So we're going to read the actual Gospel account from Luke because I really I really like um, I really like Luke's account. So let me I should have marked my Bible um, before we got here. Um, this will be Luke 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking spices that had been prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And after returning from the tomb, they told all of the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women who were with him who told the apostles. But this seemed to be, to be, the, these words seemed to be an idle tale. He did not believe them. Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stopping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths from the cells, from, for the they saw the linen cloth for them by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. So we see um, that that they go as was the custom in the day to prepare the. Jesus was taken off the cross early because it was it was the Passover and it was Sabbath and so he was laid in the tomb without the proper time for preparation for burial. So they went to the tomb a few days later to prepare his body for for burial, anointing, um, spicing, and Putting spices on it, it was the Jewish tradition, and so they got there and and, and they see that um they one of the things that we see when we read the gospel accounts of the resurrection across all of them Matthew Mark Luke and John we see a confusion and and just a, wait uh, what's happening so verse um verse two verse I'm sorry verse four says while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. So they walked in and they did not find things as they supposed them to be. They were planning to come to the tomb. And of course the tomb would have been, um, in that context, it would have been uh, a cave by by and large. Um, You would have had um, an entryway. Uh, Honestly, it's a terrible, if you ever, if you're ever so fortunate to go to the church of the holy sepulcher in in Jerusalem you'll see this kind of laid out you really walk into a tomb and um and you y- you walk almost into for lack of a word the cave you almost walk into a lobby like you know you walk into a larger central area within the tomb itself and then you're going to have off to the side of it little smaller openings where the body would have been laid. And so, um, so they would have walked in into this large they would roll the stolen away. Well, of course the stolen had already been rolled away. Um, you know, that they, they would have they would have gone in and um anointed his body and had it prepared for um for the proper for the proper burial. And um they walk in and find that the body's gone and, the, and that the clothes are lying um etc. It said uh, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but they did not find the body, and um and then Peter ran up and saw the linen clothes by themselves. He went home amazed at what has happened. So Peter's amazed, but even this they don't fully understand what um has happened. It isn't really till later that he appears to them. Really, it is honestly it isn't until Pentecost that they really truly understand what has happened. Um. So they, they, even though Jesus had been preparing them, he, he, he in his teachings he said, he said this temple will be destroyed, and three days later it will be re, re, be rebuilt. Don't understand what he's talking about. Um, and so Jesus, in this moment, has destroyed the power of death because if you go back and look at so much of the Old Testament and so much of the Old Testament law, the point of the law is, in many ways, let's go back and look at the fall. In the fall. When they sinned, death entered in. Paul later in Romans says the wages of sin is death. So in the Jewish context, and really in all the contexts, there's a linkage between sin and death. So that's why in the Jewish law, so much is predicated upon the avoidance, avoidance of death. Don't touch things that are unclean. Kill your food in a certain way to make it kosher. Um, you, you know, Death is the consequence of the law. Of, of, of the fall and so every, death was the harbinger it was the overarching shadow it lay over everything death defined everything and the law was a response to sin a response to death death was like it is for many of us it is the great the great fear the great unknown the great worry the great uncertainty and so so for the in the Jewish law and the Jewish tradition people would have avoided death by all, you know, by all, um, any way they could that. So Jesus not only did not avoid death, but he willingly laid his life down to die. But now he has overcome death. And so no long in that, in that overcoming those who believe in him now, likewise overcome Death. So i to read to you. I'm, I'm going to skip to Hebrews. We'll go to Colossians in a second. But I want to um, um, read to you from uh, Hebrews. Um, we're, going to, we're going to turn to pull up my notes here to make sure I'm telling you the right place. Return to, to Hebrews chapter two, where um, where he says this. Um, and since therefore the children of flesh, it since, since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things. So that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who for all their lives were held in slavery by fear of death. So when he died and then rose again, he not only defeated the devil. So on the cross, on the cross, um, he paid the penalty for sin, but in the empty grave, He destroyed the works of the devil, which is death. So, remember, sin equals death. Sin equals death. The cross paid the price for sin. Now we've been atoned for, we've been forgiven. The empty grave destroyed the power of death. It destroyed the power of sin. So, sin equals death. The cross takes care of sin. The empty grave takes care of death. So now it says, once again, it says, here's this again. Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things, so that through death he may destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those for all their lives who are held in slavery by the fear of death. So now in the empty grave, he has destroyed the works of the devil because the greatest work of the devil is death. The greatest work of the devil is death. Think of John 10, 10. The thief comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy death is the ultimate domain the ultimate work of the devil so in the cross in the in the in the cross the sins of humanity were atoned for in the empty grave the power of the devil is forever destroyed the bible says that he has come to destroy the works of the devil so so through these two things sins taking last week the cross took care of sin this week takes care of death no longer must we as humans live in fear of death no longer must we as humans live with death hanging over us no longer must we, must we be afraid of death no more no longer it, but it is it isn't just death it isn't just death because death is a huge deal but it's no longer must we live in fear of the consequences of sin because our sin has been atoned for it has been forgiven and the power of sin has been broken no longer must we live out of fear from the consequence of sin, so that's what that's what the grave did. Named the grave, it not only not only um, forever destroyed death, and not only forever kept death from being the thing that's hanging over us like it was throughout all the Old Testament. And no, no longer is death something that's gonna that's gonna forever define us, or surround us, or overcome us. But now we have been freed from death, that so we do not have to be afraid of death any longer. But it isn't just death. We no longer have to be afraid of sin any longer. We don't have to be afraid of the devil any longer because sins have been paid for, cross, the devil has been defeated, the empty grave. No longer does the devil rule. Not that he ever did rule, but no longer does he have the, does, does he have the myth of his ruling. He has been forever defeated and forever destroyed. He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Sin, death, and the grave are now defeated. Sin to the cross, death, and the grave through the resurrection. No longer as humans, no longer as Christians, must we live in fear of these things. This Hebrews passage is so big because I think about how how much of our life we live, not just out of the fear of death, but out of the fear of the consequences for our sins. And now, and now our sins have been atoned for and have been forgiven. And now the ultimate consequence for sin, which is death, has been forever destroyed. So we're free. We're free. No longer must we live in fear. No longer must we live in darkness. No longer must we live captive to our sins. No longer must we live in these things. We now, as humans, are free. As Christians, we are free. You no longer have to live out of that. And that's what Easter did. Easter changed all of these things. Easter forever destroyed and removed these things. I want to read to you one last passage. I want to read to you from Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, I believe it is. I'll make sure, once again, let me check my notes to make sure I'm telling you the right place. Uh, we, want, we want to read uh, yeah, Colossians 3 one through four where Paul writes these words. This is the reason that I Paul am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you've already heard the commission of God's grace that was given to me, how the mystery was made 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 known to me by Revelation. How oh, I'm sorry, I'm in Ephesians We're like this doesn't sound right. <laughs> See this what happens when you, this is what happens when you're when you're kind of alive, you uh, I'm like that didn't that doesn't that doesn't sound right. So here we go. Ephesians, I mean Colossians chapter three. So you've been raised with Christ. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are of earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ is also as your life, who also as your life is revealed, you also will be revealed with him in glory. You have been raised with him. We have been raised as Christ is raised because the cross paid for all of our sins. And the empty grave restored all of our, all of our lives and raised our lives with him. So what that means is this. As Paul, as Paul here says, uh, your life is now in Christ. Um, we are no longer bound by the power of sin in our life. Because it isn't just, remember, it isn't just that sin has been paid for. It is that sin has been defeated. And we no longer live bound To the consequences of our sin, to the resurrection, we no longer live bound to the power of our sin, because the chains of sin have been broken. Through the cross, the chains of our sins—through the cross, our sins have been completely forgiven. But through the resurrection, the power and the consequence of our sins has been broken, and we as Christians are no longer bound by our sins, and we can live free from our sins. As Paul says, if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. No longer must we live under the weight and the consequence of our sins, but no longer must we live under the power of our sins. That through Christ, we can be free. Through Christ, we can be holy is the word that uh, we met like to use. We can be holy. Um, that holiness is not something that's just an act of will. You don't just bow up and say, well, today I'm going to be holy. No, our holiness is something that is, um, that is, uh, Given to us through grace, as we grow closer to God, as the grace of Christ works in our heart, it's something that happens through accountability, through people speaking into our lives, and something that happens as we grow closer to Him. Our holiness is all, and our holiness ultimately is not, as Wesley would say, not perfect action, but perfect love. That the love of Christ fills our heart so that our there's no space for sin in our life because our heart and our life are so full of the love of God. So that's why for us to truly remove the power of sin in our life, to truly throw aside the weight of sin in our life, it isn't. we need to in many ways move from focusing upon our sin and focusing upon the thou shalt not and focusing upon what I'm not doing and focusing on the place where I failed. We need to spend our time and our lives falling in love with Jesus. Because when we fall in love with Jesus, the love of Jesus so fills our heart, so fills our life, so restores our life, so restores us, that that love of Jesus in many way drives out the sin that's within. The love of Jesus drives out the hate. The love of Jesus drives out the, the, the pride. The love of Jesus drives, drives out the greed. The love of Jesus drives out these things. That's what Jesus' love does. It's Jesus' love drives out all of these things. Jesus' love restores these things. And that's what holiness ultimately is about. It's about the love of Jesus so filling our lives, so filling our hearts, so filling all that we are, that there's no room in our life for sin. That's what holiness is. And that holiness is possible because of the cross forgiving our sins, but the empty grave destroying the works of the devil, destroying death, and destroying the consequence and power of our sin. Of sin. These things are cosmic in nature. It isn't just what happens to me and you, but it's what's happened to all the world. And so that, that is the cross and the empty grave are... God's response, and once the, once again, like I said, response is not a perfect word, because response implies that God didn't know what was going to happen, and that we know that's not the case. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. So we know that this was not just his caught off guard response to all this, but the cross and the grave, were in, in the cross, the empty grave, were God's plan the entire time to destroy sin, to forgive sin, and to restore what sin has taken. Why is God doing all this? Because he wants us to choose to follow him. We were created perfect in the garden; everything was great. But um, true love is love that is chosen. True love is love that is given a free will. True love is love is not is not something that the person doesn't have a choice. But God desires for us to choose Him, to choose His life, to choose His love, to choose His power, to choose His path. That's what God's desire is for us: is for us to choose. And so he has, he has freed us in that he has forgiven our sins through the cross. And he has freed us in that he has destroyed the power of sin, destroyed the consequences of sin, and destroyed the hold of sin to the empty grave. So the cross and the empty grave are cosmic things in nature that, that change everything. So uh, I hope in our lives we can know the power of forgiveness to the cross and we can know the power of victory through the grave. Thanks for being with us tonight in Bible study. Join us for Church Sunday, and uh, join us uh, for Bible study again next week. Thanks uh, Thanks for being with you. It's always good to be with you for Bible study. Have a good night.